This is going to be so good. It is. It's going to be fantastic. All right, here we go. Hello and welcome to Three Friends in a Book. My name is Holly and I'm joined today by my friends, Caroline. What up? Hey. hey. And Janine. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, well, it's morning now. Or afternoon or evening. Whenever you're listening to this. We are three friends and we love to hang out with each other and talk and especially we love to read books and talk about them. And one of our favorite quotes that we always keep in mind is by Hannah Arendt that says, The things of the world become more human for us only when we can discuss them with our fellows. We humanize what is going on in the world and in ourselves only by speaking of it. And in the course of speaking of it, we learn to be human. And so this week, this past couple weeks, we read um, a new release by one of our favorite authors, Leanne Moriarty. And the title of the book is Nine Perfect Strangers. And I have to say, y'all, this book, I think the last couple books I've said, I've had to kind of search for how it made me more human. This book hit all the humanness. (laughs) It hit every topic that you could possibly think about through these nine perfect, imperfect strangers. What did y'all think? It it was great fun, surprising like always. Yeah. You know, Leanne Moriarty always is like what? There's always you're reading along and it's fairly. There's all you kind know, of twists and turns, and then you're what? <laughs> what? She's staying in with him, and he did what? Or they killed who? There's they a, drug somebody. <laughs> Everybody. Right. Wait, right. what? Yeah, <laughs> they've been high the whole time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, so she, I think we said this in the last podcast, this author, that's kind of what got us reading together in the first place. I think, what, was that like, maybe like eight years ago we read What Alice Forgot? I know we mentioned this on the last podcast, but we have read all of her books ever since then. And I haven't, except for maybe one, I haven't really had one that I haven't enjoyed. So she's become one of my favorite, um, authors in recent years. I was not a crazy fan of the one about the barbecue where truly madly guilty. Guilty, yeah. Yeah, that one um that one was a little flat. I think that's the one I was thinking about. Yeah. But I didn't dislike it. It just I didn't love it. Yeah. Caroline, what are your thoughts about Leanne Moriarty? I enjoy her books. I was sad. I want. I read this book pretty quickly, yeah, and I wanted to read it pretty quickly. I mean, I'm, but and then I was sad when it was over. Yeah, you didn't throw this one. No. <laughs> okay. I know. I think we, we kind of egged each other on as we were reading it because one of us would get ahead and say, "Have you gotten to this part?" Yeah, and then we would want to catch up and talk about it. So um, that's always fun. Yeah. So this was a fun, a fun book for us to read. All right. This will make a funny movie or mini series if i mean i you know um having already done big little lies yeah. and had that made into a series i don't know if that was living in the back of her mind or whatever yeah, but, but it's could be. can't you just see it i mean hysterical oh yeah and all the satire and there's so many funny moments mm-hmm. and the characters are just you know each <laughs> each character is really suffering yes um, which makes for great humor, yeah. you know, in, in the suffering. Yeah. So, so just to remind everybody, we are going to spoil the book. We're going to jump mm-hmm. right in. We're going to talk about characters. So if you haven't read it, pause it. Oh, go, yeah. Don't listen don't if listen. you haven't read it. It's so good. Pause the podcast. Go and read it and then come back to this because we're going to straight up just start talking about these characters who are so lovely. But as you said, 
there at a health spa. Um, I guess you would call it that a health spa. That's what it calls itself. That's what I it think. calls itself. <laughs> but they get, but they also advertise as part of the health spa counseling. There's a couple there who are there for marriage um, counseling. There's a divorcee there who is there for health reasons. You know, they have, there's, so, so it, it runs the gamut of things. So it's not just a spa in terms of like massages and yoga and stuff and smoothies that are laced with drugs. <laughs> um, but there's also counseling, a weird version of counseling, but, or a different version, not weird, but there's that. So I did read a couple of reviews and, you know, one of the things that Moriarty said about the book is that she was, you know, very intentionally writing about the um, the kind of modern, um, what is it, like desire mm-hmm. for a quick fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in, and that that's why she includes so many maybe different kinds of tragedy. Yeah. But everyone ultimately is kind of seeking the same solution, which is, you know, some kind of um, personal transformation, um, something that will that will alter their suffering quickly. And their what did she say like their desire to are are the human desire to make poor choices Mm -hmm. Or the tendency to make poor choices because the desire for a quick fix is so strong, mm-hmm. you know, because the suffering is so hard. Yeah. And that that's one of the things she was satirizing, really, yeah, in the, the story. The, the stay there, was it five or seven days that they were supposed to stay there? Do you remember? But they... It's more than five. Part of the advertisement was, you're going to come out of here transformed. Yeah, the, the whole idea of transformation, mm-hmm. which is, you know, hopeful... <laughs> it is certainly hopeful but set seven days to transform yourself to because we have some people with some serious issues some mm-hmm. serious marriage problems dealing with suicide dealing with body image stuff some very serious issues that seven days is not gonna not gonna fix well you know masha is such a Oh my word! Marcia. Interesting character, you know. Because she that, went through a transformation. We get that first chapter of her, like the corporate mm-hmm. person who is not interested in her health. She's only worried about doing her work and yeah. being better and faster. And she's in the midst of some medical crisis, and she's still trying to work. And uh, <laughs> they're in there. They're, EMTs are in there working on her as she's literally having a heart attack and she won't stop working. Mm-hmm. And they're, that was yeah, that was crazy. And since she went through well, kind of a transformation. She's man, she's a character, isn't she? Is she not? So, so I'm wondering about what the, what the book is ultimately saying about her because she goes through a transformation where she becomes very healthy, very mm-hmm. fit, very beautiful, um, and want. So then she devotes her work to doing that for other people mm-hmm. re- at, at whatever cost. Yeah. But then by the end of that, her desires go to go right back to the corporate world mm-hmm. and become who do what she had been doing before. Yeah. So do we really, do we really True. change? Yeah. Well, and her, 
you know, she's got this story of personal tragedy. She does. In the death of her, her infant, for which she feels responsible. Mm-hmm. That was that was hard. Um, yes. And then, consequently, becomes pregnant right away with the second baby. And then, as soon as that baby's born, hands it to the baby's father and then Leaves. tells him to leave. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, cannot, can't look at the baby doesn't want to have anything to do with the baby sends the husband away i don't know i don't know i don't quite know what to say about that Mm -hmm. but um and she keeps getting emails from him and he just she straight up deletes them she doesn't even open anything like he's desperate to try to reach out to her this is your kid i think she even has a grandkid does is she not because it's years later yeah he says he wants her to know her grandchild Mm -hmm. he's begging her to yeah so you're right. I mean, she maybe went through a transformation on the outside, but never fully dealt with her grief and that loss in a in in a way that was he- that was healthy. So does she need some LSD in order to do that? Is that like do- right? And and well, um, she did right. I mean, she d- did she drug herself at the end? And, remember yeah. when she, she sets the, the sets and- the right. fake fire or whatever? Right, she's that drugged was herself. Crazy, but but before that, she had always said because of a previous medical situation, she couldn't do it. Do right. you remember that? Right. But then she does it. So I, I was wondering about that. Oh, and in the doing it is what makes her go, like, realize that what she wants to do is go back to the other. Because who she may be, because she, is it saying something about whether or not she ever wanted to be a mother? Or whether she just wanted to work? Like, she just was someone who, I don't know if it, yeah, or, or yeah. if she... I don't know if it's just never delving deeply enough into what happened. Well, she's she's grieving two things. She's mm-hmm. grieving the loss of the infant that died, and then she just handed the other baby off. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't. She just oh, she just shuts that off. She's mm-hmm. not actually grieving it. No. So there is no. I mean, I think the transformation being only solely physical. Yeah. You know, there's there's no kind of emotional work there at all and she's and she's using that spa that she has set up as an escape right like to avoid dealing with her own grief she's trying to help others yeah we do that don't we i know Mm -hmm. we do don't we we do that well and and maybe not even always in codependent situations but like i'm gonna keep moving and, and fix things and fix things um Instead of just sitting quietly, which they did a lot of that too. Like they had that silent, that, that, those the, those days of silence, which think of any time. I mean, we've all been in situations where like back in high school and college, you went on a trip and you ended up around people you didn't know. Imagine just, I, I kept going back to those yeah. scenes in my mind and imagine like not talking to, just looking at people and not talking. It'd be weird. All right. Who do we want to talk about next? We spent a lot of time on her. Well, one of so in terms of the um the the longer process, even though it was still relatively fast, the relationship between Francis and Tony is is very sweet. Mm-hmm. And how it grows after they leave the spa, 
by they're both walking uh-huh. you know they're doing a healthy thing and they're talking to each other and yeah. then they realize that they can use headphones to do it and after that <laughs> you know Francis eventually goes to where he is yeah. right and then she gets inherits grandchildren in that way and yeah. so like maybe then it's not a condemnation on any anything really but that some t- some things do take time and you got to give the things that take time time yeah yeah Cause, i mean i feel like too there that stay there i mean i don't know if you know what other experiences were like for nine other people was crazy intense all the things that they went through in that room with the drugging and the fake fire that fake fire still just stuns me that that she planned that whole thing that when people were put in these, she ex- was tripping when she yeah. planned it. <laughs> well, was she tripping when she planned it, or she was tripping when she did it? I think both. Okay. Like I think I think that was a spontaneous. Oh, you do because she was sh- constantly shifting what was happening in the room yeah. based on what she was watching them do. Yeah. And then she starts. Then she uh, knocks Yao out. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Remember that? And Delilah bailed. And Delilah takes off with the car. And that were, But that when people are put in those intense experiences, which that was, how that how that bonds you. Mm-hmm. Um Did, and for Tony, not yeah, Tony and, and and Francis, who I think already had this weird kind of, you know, experience before they even got there. On the road when the they road. were fighting. Yeah. That, um, or he was trying to help her, and they yeah. were belligerent with each other. That it brought them together even even more. That's such a funny scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> such a great scene. Uh, and it like it, that'd be fun to see in a movie. Mm-hmm. Those that like getting into Tranquillum House, like yeah. the, the the watching it unfold would be great fun. Yeah. Poor Yao, like why, he's so devoted mm-hmm. to Masha, which is I mean Weird. his own sickness i yeah. guess and then he ends up happy that's good like he ends up a stay-at-home dad he does. oh yeah mm-hmm. that was an interesting, interesting resolution twist. i thought to that part of the story yeah did y'all ever read bel canto by ann patchett no i read part of it so in sometimes this book reminded me of bel canto once they were locked in the room mm-hmm. and i kept thinking of okay so it's terrorists right who lock the people in in bel canto it made me want to go back and look for comparisons because like you were saying that bonding what happens to people when they're locked inside and masha is kind of being a terrorist (laughs) being a terrorist well she's terrorizing people for sure so in the review that i read leanne moriarty was also talking about the fact that she and her husband had had a conversation when he read the book he said to her Leanne, people are going to think you're Francis. <laughs> are you are you prepared for that? Are you good with that? And so she talks in the interview a little bit about because Francis is a writer. Because yeah. Francis is a writer around the same age, maybe even some of their physical characteristics are similar. So she, so Moriarty, um, you know, obviously just talks in this interview about the fact that though there are some similarities, you know, she doesn't see herself as, as Francis, but 
Anyway, the parts in the book where Francis is talking about being a writer are some of my favorite parts. And I know they were yours too, Janine. So you got to read. We got to read a little bit from chapter 33. (laughs) Remind me what page number. That would be 241. Thank you. This was, so you hit that moment in this book where like, okay, they've been silent for days. Oh, wait a minute. She's drugging, she's drugging them. We're all tripping on LSD. And it gets so funny. Is it LSD? Yeah. Well, it's, what's it called? Pure LSD. Because she had, well, and then. Didn't you say that you looked it up, that there's been recent studies about using well, I hadn't pure looked at- LSD to for psychological treatment? Yes, um, that and like there's a on, on the bestseller list, you know, Michael Pollan, who wrote all the books about how to food. eat well. Yeah. yeah, all the food books. He has had a book on the bestseller list for a long time called like how to change your mind, something about the science of psychedelics and what they can teach us about consciousness, dying, addiction, depression, and transcendence. Oh. So it seems like this book is in some way a response to that movement. Yeah. To, hmm. um, but it, then it shows like the kind of the what could happen. That <laughs> creeps me out. Well, especially when you, they didn't know. And there was a bunch of, they didn't screen them well enough to know that like Ben's sister was a drug addict. And he was right. completely anti-drug, and now he's drugged. Napoleon had went through a bad trip one time, and he was freaking out. Who else freaked out? One other person freaked well, out. Well, Jessica thought she might be pregnant. Yes. <laughs> and they didn't know she was. Well, thought, she wasn't. No, she so wasn't. So that's why. Yeah. Well, what makes what what makes it all so great and interesting for me is, you know, obviously we love books. And so the idea of sort of getting inside a writer's mind and seeing what happens to her when mm-hmm. she's high is, is was just hilarious. Was I awesome. enjoyed it so much. So, Read it a little bit for us. Okay. Um, a pile of books filled her lap. They were all the all the books she'd ever written, including foreign language editions. The books were open at the top like cereal boxes. Frances dipped her hand into each book and pulled out great handfuls of words to scatter across the sky. Got one, said Soul from the back of the sleigh, where he and Henry sat smoking cigarettes and killing off unnecessary adjectives with catapults. Leave them be, said Frances snappily. Let's get all those adverbs too, said Soul happily. Even the rhyming ones, asked Henry affably. That's an imperfect rhyme, pointed out Francis. They're just words, Francis, said Gillian. So profound, Gillian, said Soul. Shut up, Soul, said Gillian. She never liked you, Francis told Soul. And so she's she's reached back. She's like dealing with these um, emotions about her ex-husband and the, the, the death of her friend Gillian. And then um, down a little bit more, um, I just cracked up. Uh, Readers get impatient if they have trouble working out which character is which, explained <laughs> Francis, which, you know, in this book, there's a, there are many characters. Oh, I had to keep a list for the mm-hmm. first half. Do you remember the book we're reading now? I said I was going to stop reading uh, certain yeah. chapters because I got confused in the characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. We'll talk about that in a minute. You've got to help them out. None mm-hmm. of us is getting any younger. Except this isn't a book, said Gillian. I think you'll find it is, said Francis. <laughs> I'm the protagonist, obviously. Um, I feel like that tall Russian lady is giving you a run for your money, said Gillian. She is not, said Francis. It's all about me. I'm just I'm just not sure of my love interest yet. Oh, my God. It is so obvious, said Gillian. Blind Freddy could pick it. She shouted at the sky. You knew from day one. 
right? Gillian, did you just try to break the fourth wall? Francis was shocked. I did not, said Gillian, but she looked guilty. I'm sure no one noticed. <laughs> so That's awesome. Yes, just that. Um, and earlier in the book, it uh, refers to Jane Eyre, which I've been reading along with my daughter. And in Jane Eyre, it's directed like right to the reader. And so there are, there are times in it where questions are posed right to the reader. So lots of lots of that kind of thing. But that whole you knew from day one, right, is just like the question that Gillian sends to the reader. And Caroline, you were like, uh, yeah, I did know. From we day totally one. knew. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's fantastic. I love that very much. Oh, Tony is, you know, it's very stereotypical. Like, he's this grouchy... Gr- she called him a serial killer. Yeah. He looked like a serial <laughs> Until he got out of the pool and his pants came down a little bit and he had two smiley faces on his butt, mm-hmm. tattooed on his butt. <laughs> it turns out he was a big, famous, smiley rugby player who was grieving, in my mind, you know, grieving the... Once he stopped being an athlete and that, that part of his identity, he was grieving the, 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 the loss of that. And his wife and had his left wife him, left right? Him, yeah. Y'all, we can't possibly talk about all nine of these strangers plus Delilah and Yao. Can we talk about, can we just talk about Napoleon and Heather and Zoe? Yeah. yeah I can do that. For just a minute. Okay. Because I need to work that. I need to work out Heather and Napoleon. Okay. I mean, they find their way back to each other, I guess, right? They do. Because they, they do, they but do. I, I, they, he still has more work to do, I think. And he, but he seems to be doing it. Once they right. reveal, yes. Oh, yeah. He was seeing a therapist regularly in the end. Because once they re- right. re- once it was revealed that Heather did not read the side effects for the asthma medicine that Zach was taking, could possibly being suicide and depression. And that Heather or Zoe revealed that she knew something was wrong and didn't say anything. Once they admitted that, that's when he like um, um, immediate change mm-hmm. to to anger at them and oh. resentment. I mean, like, do you remember what he says? He says something like, "I could hate her." Mm-hmm. The secret to marriage is not to go looking for hate or something like mm-hmm. that. Like mm-hmm. that line, I thought was resonated with me because zoe and heather felt relieved after that 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 had been weighing them down like that that mm-hmm. guilt and shame that they felt now transferred over to him um but he was dealing with it in the end well he had been feeling guilty about his alarm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he had shared that yes guilt with them right like he had shared that i wish i hadn't hit snooze and he'd been shouldering the blame yeah for so long oh i mean that one scene where they were zoe and napoleon were doing yoga and he was just crying mm. and she said he cries he so, something like he cries all the time he doesn't even know it like he just walks around tears and has no awareness of of, of that i like napoleon I too. but he is working on Working on himself, and they have sex, which they hadn't had in years. So mm-hmm. I, guess, I suppose that's something. something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good for them. Did that help you work through it? No. Yes. Yes. While we're talking about Heather and Napoleon and Zoe, I think it's important to address the fact that while they're tripping, Francis sees Zach. Oh Zach. 
What is up with that? So, I don't know. Is you it because she's the author? And so she gets to see him? I don't know. We're delving into a little bit of magic realism, right? Totally. And, and so, yeah, I think we're supposed to question it, but I'm not real sure. what. I love what, that. Mm-hmm. But didn't Zoe see him too? Yeah, they yeah, the family the saw, saw him, him, but then Francis was the only outsider. She who was saw like him. across the room and, and looked she over. saw him as they saw him with no shirt on. Yeah. You know, like she was able to describe exactly what they saw. Yeah, she, and she's never met the kid. Mm-hmm. Like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right, is it possible that this experience allowed that it that it wasn't just drugs messing with your brain that were that was allowing these experiences but that something about the drugs opens up some access to a part of the world that we don't see every day and you know oh my god something like that that's it it's like yeah truth capital t Mm -hmm. which is the claim I, i it sounds like that is kind of what the claim is the real scientific claim about the use of these drugs, these drugs yeah. is that somehow it strips things away so that you're you're closer to truth. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't, but I don't know anything about the science of it, but I don't. It's, yeah. It's, that makes me feel weird. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really cool that she had Francis mm-hmm. see him. Yeah. I don't know. I wish they, I wish, I kind of wish she'd done more with that, I suppose, but maybe she didn't need to. So, who haven't we talked about since I made the declaration that we couldn't talk about everyone? We've gotten, we've gotten pretty far. We've talked about Masha and Francis and Tony. We talked about Napoleon, Heather, and Zoe. We've mentioned Yao. We haven't talked about um, Ben and Jessica at all, which, you know, they're the couple who find their way actually away from each other because mm-hmm. too much has happened after winning the lottery. Because for both, I mean, if we talk about Jessica and Car- Carmel, is that, is that what we're saying? Is that how we're saying their name? That's how um, I said it in my head. Is um, just their body image issues mm-hmm. brought in because the money for Jessica, what it made her do to herself. And for Carmel, her husband leaving, just the. Her obsession. Yeah. Both of them, their obsession. Mm hmm. To for Jessica to deform herself to the point where Ben just doesn't even recognize her. Yeah, self-loathing. Mm-hmm. And Lars, who's like, I've done these things a million times. You know, he's the divorce lawyer who only um, he's the really attractive divorce lawyer who only helps uh, out rich women. But why? I can't remember why. Something because his dad because mm-hmm. of the what what his dad did to his mom. Okay, that's why. Right. That's right. That's right. So he's like a complicated character, a little self-centered, but also charming, maybe, mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. But he's the gay character that doesn't want to have the baby, but then in the end decides he does. Oh, right. Right? Mm-hmm. This partner. Yeah. Or, or maybe he doesn't want to, but he's going to make his partner happy yeah. mm-hmm. since his partner wants to have a baby. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. I hope they... Um, Go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a baby yet. Well, I mean, if you're going to make that choice to, like, sacrifice in a relationship like that, you, you're going to have to work that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All these, I'm looking at the list of characters. There needs to continue in continuing therapy for their... And then who... There's, 
excuse me, the one chapter at the end, who's the one person who doesn't get a happy ending? I'm talking about. She says at the, it's at the very, very, very end. Of course, not everyone gets a happy ending or even the oh, chance right. of one. Life doesn't work like that. Case in point, Helen Inat, the reviewer of Francis's oh, novel, right. What the Heart Wants, lost her entire life savings in a mortifying high-profile cryptocurrency scam and lived in the state of quite profound unhappiness for the rest of her days. But as she despised neatly tied up happy endings, she was fine with that. Nice. So I love that. So that goes back to the conversation that we were having earlier about Leanne Moriarty being, what'd you say? A literary fiction writer or a, what was the other one? Popular, popular fiction. Popular. Fi- in, her str- in her. Or what people would call like chiclet, which yeah. annoys Beach me. reads. Beach right. reads. Because all of her stories usually end with some type of happy th- things are tied up neatly in the end which mm-hmm. is true of popular fiction. and so francis gets this bad review as she's headed into tranquillum house mm-hmm. and she's kind of working on not thinking about it you know um through her stay there mm-hmm. and does she write a she wrote a book in the end did she not so the book yes. that she had written that no one liked yeah. her her previous editor comes out of retirement yes. and <laughs> You know, which I think is about ageism, you know, totally. like this side. And so she comes out of retirement, realizes it's a masterpiece. And, 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 but she adds in a murder. Do you remember she'd never had a murder <laughs> yeah, she, in one of her of, books before? Yeah. And she adds in a book. She's very proud of the fact that she finally murders what character. <laughs> so nice. That is funny. So we don't see a lot of murder in Leanne Moriarty's books, except for bad people. Like, in Big Little Lies. Right. Like you get, yeah, someone who deserves to die. Yeah. All right. Did y'all think that there were, that the house really was burning down? I did. Yes. Did I you? I totally yes. thought the house was burning down. Like, I would love to see that in a movie because wasn't her, there wasn't there a screen on the ceiling and she kept like, I imagine like the, the, um, is that in Wizard of Oz? Like the head, the big, the screen, <laughs> like her face kept popping in and. They could smell smoke and she just lit a little fire like in a trash can or whatever yes. right right outside the room so they would smell smoke and then she was piping in the sound yes. of the a house burning down. Yes. A loop. It <laughs> oh, is crazy. Uh, yeah. That 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 that, that Masha man. I did not see that coming at all. Uh-uh. And then, and then you they could. Get, and then they I just could see, have. What? And then yeah. they can see Yao in the background passed out. They're like, what's wrong with Yao? <laughs> he's like, oh, he's fine. <laughs> Is he alive? Don't you worry about him. You need to get yourself out of there. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Moriarty, where do you come up with this? And the things? door was unlocked. The whole time. Not the whole time. Oh, yeah, okay, you're but, right. In the beginning, it wasn't. Right. And then they launched Tony up to get the thing out of the ceiling. Yeah. And it didn't work or nothing was in it. And she was like, I totally expect him to make a pyramid. Why? Because wasn't it because she had made a pyramid? Mm -hmm. When? when? I can't remember. Maybe in school or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad y'all. That's funny. Because I was like, really? A pyramid? That whole scene. And then Zoe Zoe just throws something up there and knocks it down. (laughs) She did. Oh, just you, picked up some. Yeah. She's just like, why don't we just... Yeah, okay. <laughs> Instead of launching Tony up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. I, 
What a, oh, y'all, read this book. <laughs> read it. Well, hopefully, hopefully you already you have. We already had. Since we, we didn't spoil it all for you because yeah. it's so. It'll be a great movie and or maybe we should do it y'all maybe we should make the movie <laughs> we should reenact it at least the scene in the room <laughs> y'all can launch me up there and then caroline can just throw something oh lord all right y'all um anything else you want to talk about i think it's a good uh, note to end on, yes, on some laughter. let's end on some laughter um real real quick what else have you guys been doing anything no like i said i've been reading jane Eyre with my daughter I've been reading some All Quiet on the Western Front. That's what we're reading in my class right now for World War One. So I'm, I am going in there to do a research project. So I wanted to ha- read the book because I never have before. And it um, is amazing. It and is a great book. I am. I had a hard time stopping. Mm-hmm. I, I have several things that I'm reading right now. So I did not let myself go past where the students had to read to for today. And it was very hard. Yeah. I, um and I'm also reading uh, our next book, which I'll, I'll let you talk about in a minute. Okay. Well, um, not much of anything, but I have... So there's a series on Netflix called The 100. I don't know if I've told you all about that well, or ever. It somewhere. So it's a dystopian, kind of like the world. There's a nuclear war, and so a bunch of people go into space in a spaceship and live up there. And then at the beginning of this series, they send 100 kids back down to earth to try to recolonize earth and then it goes from there and they're like five or six seasons my sister got me in it so the i'm not sure if the last season which is either five or six was just posted on netflix or Mm -hmm. over thanksgiving my sister said hey have you watched the last season so i hadn't so um i've been watching a few of those okay it's a good series you would enjoy it i mean it's you know fantasy sci-fi kind of stuff but there are a lot of really strong women characters in the really strong in the story (laughs) which um which is why i like it so much um what have i been doing to be honest with you you know i always have a show that i'm watching and i have not i've not had any time to to watch a show i watched the post this weekend it came out on hbo Mm. the movie and that was really good yes Um, enjoyed that and then i'm teaching ap government right now and so there's like watching the post about the pentagon papers in the vietnam war and then we're talking about um, first amendment rights in my class it's just an interesting like look at things and um so i watched that and then i read a book one of reese witherspoon's picks called something in the water Hmm. i don't read it (laughs) it's not it's not it really bothered me the two, I don't know. I just, I read it. It was fine. I would not re- recommend it. So there's that. Sorry, Reese Witherspoon. Um, and then, the, well, she can't be perfect in every <laughs> way. Can't. I mean, come on. And then I've been trying to read some nonfiction too. And so I think in the last podcast I talked about, I'd read Brene Brown's Daring Greatly, which was fantastic. Um, and then a friend of mine gave me a book called The Culture Code, which is about like just creating environments in workplaces and on teams and in schools and things like that that I have thought was fantastic so far I'm not done with it Um, I'm almost done with it but I've gotten some really good actually I've used a couple things from the book for my cross-country team so far and my classroom Um, and so it's I've been trying to do some nonfiction to enlighten me but Right now, I am reading, and we're all reading, our next book, aren't we? Our next pod book. Yeah. Um, I'm about halfway done. 
So we have all been reading um, Barbara Kingsolver's latest book, Unsheltered. It's um, going to be our next pod book, right? Yeah. Okay. It's our next part. I think we're all about halfway through with it now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So grab it, y'all. Read yeah. it with us. Yeah. It's a it's a good one so far. It's very Barbara Kingsolver. Mm-hmm. I, I'm enjoying it very much. So we'll... Very. Probably be back at you here in a couple of weeks since we're about halfway done with it. Look that at us. Great. Oh, one more recommendation. Okay. The Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, documentary. Have y'all watched no. it? No. What's it on right now? Um... Where are, you, where are you accessing it? I think I watched it on Hulu. Yes, I watched okay. it on Hulu. Um, I took Anna Claire to see the the latest um, Fantastic Beast movie. And there's another RBG movie coming out. Right. Yeah. And I watched the preview and started crying. And Anna Claire looked at me. She's like, why, why are you crying? I'm like, she's just so great. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I was like, these are, these are happy tears. <laughs> she hardly sleeps. Like the, yeah. that was one of the things. And then I was listening to an NPR, uh, no, a fresh air the other day about um, Nancy Pelosi. She sleeps like four hours a day. I was listening to a podcast this morning because, you know, it's all in the, in the news right now. She's 77, I think. And like whipping votes and trying to be the speaker of a house again. I'd be so tired and I'm 41. I don't know how they do that. Me either. On such little sleep. Remember she spoke in Congress months ago wearing little kitten heels for like eight or nine hours? Yeah. Dude, man, that's a different kind of person. Thank Uh goodness they exist. I know. Do the work for us. (laughs) But why? Well, (laughs) we gotta go. We gotta go. We have a class. Because I want to have that conversation, though. Okay. Maybe next time. Because they can, I think. Do the men sleep more? Oh, that's a good question. That's the the conversation. I would hope not. I mean,. Anyhow, okay. to be continued. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us this time. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the book. Go read it if you haven't, and then join us for our next one, Unsheltered. Bye.